Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. Thanks for joining us for this episode. You happen to have joined us on the very last episode of Matthew's Messiah. Matthew was a Jewish person who was a tax collector for the occupying Roman Empire when they occupied Israel. And also, he was called to personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he later recorded, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Gospel of Matthew. I've entitled this series, Matthew's Messiah, and it concludes today. This is the episode for Sunday, January 16th, 2022. Matthew's Messiah, risen and returning. A harmony of the Gospels combines all of the events of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in chronological order to give the full, complete picture of the Gospels. But today, we will focus primarily on the details that Matthew gives us Matthew was an actual eyewitness of the living Jesus Christ. Once Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried, Matthew encountered him with the other disciples very much alive. Physically, he ate with them. He spoke with them. They saw him repeatedly during the days prior to his literal bodily ascension back to heaven as we await his return, his promised return. Now, I want to ask you a question. What turned a small group of frightened men into fearless evangelists? It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These men no longer feared death because they belonged to Jesus And even if they died, they would live again. And they knew this. They were assured of this. Do you have that assurance? You can by a personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. And let's go to verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, now that would be... Uh, To us, that would be Sunday, but in the ancient world of the Jewish people, Sunday was merely the first day of the week, okay? And the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Now, what sepulcher was this? Well, it was the, the cave, the tomb carved out of rock in which the body of the crucified and dead Lord Jesus Christ, was put in on that Friday afternoon. You remember that from Matthew chapter 27. I entitled that episode, The Day Hope Died, because it surely appeared to everyone, his friends, his followers, and especially his enemies, that that was it. That was the end of Jesus Christ. These women, I want to point this out, were not coming expecting to see Jesus risen from the dead. 
They were going to further prepare the dead body of Jesus. They were, they were going to try to get into the tomb where the body was and take care of it even more as, as would be befitting, that they, they did not have time to do everything they thought they should do. And they had even bought um, spices and so forth to, to completely honor the Lord Jesus Christ. So please do not assume that they expected to see him risen. They expected to find him very much dead as they had left him on Friday afternoon. Now, sometimes critics of Christianity will offer the ridiculous assertion that the women just simply went to the wrong tomb. And it was empty because no one had ever been in it. And they then told everybody that Jesus was risen and, and wow, everybody just went crazy that Jesus was alive. But the women went to the wrong tomb. Well, if the women went to the wrong tomb, then so did the guards, so did the Jewish religious leaders, because you know they all went back to see what in the world has happened. And also the disciples went to the wrong tomb. And here's the, here's the kicker. Even Joseph of Arimathea, who was the owner of that tomb and gave it for the burial of Jesus, even he was completely unaware that he had gone to the wrong tomb. Now, come on. If you had had a tomb carved out of solid rock that you were going to be buried in when you died, I'm pretty sure you would know where that was. So those are just ridiculous uh, criticisms, all right? So in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Now, I want to say right here before we go further that we know from other sources at that time who wrote about these type of tombs that it was referred to that a stone like this would take about 20 men to move. And it was it was uh, placed within a slotted trench that was, that was angled down. And when the, um, I, I don't know for what to call it, the linchpin was moved, that stone would literally roll down that slot into place over the opening. And for it to ever be moved again, it would take 20 more men to move that quite an episode for sure. But notice that the Lord has already resurrected by the time the angel descends from heaven and came and rolls, rolls back the stone from the door. And I love this. It says, and he sat upon it. I think it's in the Gospel of John. It says that it was a, a pretty good ways from the opening of the tomb. So it wasn't moved by people just enough to steal the body or just enough for Jesus to get out or something like that. It was moved way away. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers, that's the guards, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. 
Now I want you to know, by the time the tomb was open, Jesus had already resurrected and walked through solid rock. I mean, he was gone before the angel came. The stone was moved to let us in to verify that Jesus had resurrected, not to let Jesus out, all right? It's a massive stone. Now, these guards were Roman soldiers. You remember Pilate said um, something to the effect of a, a, a guard you have, go, you know, make it secure. So these were Roman legionnaires. These were combat-hardened soldiers, people, and they fainted dead away. <laughs> they could not confront that angel. And they went to the Jewish religious leaders because they had a problem. Jesus was resurrected. This was the problem. So even, even them going to the Jewish religious leaders is testimony to the fact that Jesus had resurrected. He was no longer in that tomb, and they knew that no one had taken him. Verse 5, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Now, here the angel just states the facts. He invites their inspection of the inside of the tomb. And we know from the Gospels that the burial clothes were empty. The body of Christ resurrected right through the burial clothes. I think, again, it's the Gospel of John where he makes a special note that the, the headpiece, the covering over the head, the face, was folded up neatly and laid aside by itself. This is a resurrection, people, and it is a bodily resurrection. There was no body within the grave clothes, nor within that tomb. Verse 7. Well, let's get the whole gist again. Let's go back to verse 5. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. Now, this is, this is just amazing what has happened. They are just astounded, and they go to tell the disciples. Now, go to verse 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. You only worship God, right? They worshipped him because he's God. 
Verse 10, then said Jesus unto them, be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. Now, when they were going, behold, some of the watch, now these are the guards, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers. You know, some people think that a lot of money solves everything. <laughs> they bribed them. Verse 13, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, there would be Pilate. We will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Now, Matthew writing it was Jewish, so he could say that because he knew that was true. <laughs> this was the, the cover story, so to speak. So think about this. It was a capital offense for a Roman soldier to sleep on guard duty. These guys had a problem. They had not been asleep. They knew they didn't do anything with the body of Jesus, and they knew no one else did either. What are they going to do? Because now the tomb is open, and anybody can go see that it is empty. And by the way, it was sealed. You remember that? With the Roman seal. So there was no no doubt that it would be the right tomb. You could see that it had been formally sealed. And so the idea was, well, let's, let's throw enough money at them and the problem will go away. They'll keep their mouths shut. And if Pilate finds out, we'll keep them from being executed. Because think about it. If they were about to be executed, they would probably tell the whole real truth of what actually happened. It was in no one's interest here in terms of religion or government to admit that Jesus Christ was now risen. They had to keep this quiet. Wow. You know, this scheme, it verifies the resurrection. Jesus' body was gone, yet it was not stolen. And the guards knew 100% that it was not stolen. Now, if Jesus' enemies had his body, or to use the, uh, the common story that the disciples somehow stole the body and hid it, and they told everybody that he was risen again. Now, think about this. If Jesus' enemies had his body, or let's say the disciples had stolen the body, then the religious people and the Romans, they would have just rounded up the disciples and tortured them until somebody said, okay, here's the body. To, you know, to reveal the location of the dead body of Jesus. Then they could have publicly displayed the dead body. Joshua Dow says they could have put the body on a, a cart and paraded it through the streets of Jerusalem to completely kill Christianity before it ever got started. But you know, they didn't do that. And you know why they didn't do that? 
They couldn't because no one had the body. Wow. And by the way, if you were a disciple and you knew that you had stolen the body and you knew where it was, of course, you would not, you would probably, I would say no one would be willing to die for what they knew to be a lie. Now, many people die for something they think is true, but these men would have known the truth. If they had stolen the body, they would know he wasn't resurrected. They would not have been willing to actually literally die for what they knew to be a lie. Wow. Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. But I want to focus on the worshipped him. Again, these every single disciple here that we're talking about right now is a Jewish person. Jewish people in the Jewish religion, only worship God. They worship Jesus. Why? After the resurrection, there was zero doubt in their minds, Jesus is God. Some of you perhaps come from various religious traditions, faith traditions where that is not recognized, and that's bothering you right now. Well, you need to change your faith tradition. You need to get with the facts. Your faith tradition is wrong if it does not acknowledge Jesus Christ is God. Period. Verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world." Amen. Now, for the fuller picture of what happened here, you can go on into the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, and you can see that as Jesus ascended into heaven, bodily, physically, literally, right in front of them, and we know from what Paul wrote, I believe it was in 1 Corinthians, that there were more than 500 people who witnessed this ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, and most of them, when Paul wrote it, he said, were still living. They were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Christ and the ascension of Christ. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 1 and the writings of Paul. So there was literally a physical resurrection. Jesus really actually physically rose from the dead on the third day exactly as he had predicted and promised that he would. 
and he was worshiped as God after the resurrection and still today, obviously, within the Christian faith. I want you to think about this too, the willingness of the disciples to preach Christ and the resurrected Christ all over the near Middle East, all the way to Russia, Britain, India, and Africa. That's where they went. And to be tortured and martyred without even one of them recanting is further testimony to the truth of the resurrection. Matthew was martyred while preaching Christ in Ethiopia. These disciples signed their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ in their own blood. I want you to know today as we are going through the pandemic, uh, so-called around the world and government lockdowns and all of that. And so many people are saying, I just want things to go back to normal. Well, I want you to know today that I believe based on Bible prophecy and the things that I'm beginning to see happen now to prepare the way for the complete fulfillment of the future prophecies of the return of Christ. And you can listen to my series, Future Trends, on This Week in the Word. And I think I have other series and standalone messages and uh, Bible books I preach through which deal with some of these topics. You can learn more about that. But I want you to know that normal is not coming back. Jesus is coming back. I don't know when, but he's coming. He is risen and returning. That's a nice story, Pastor Ed. No, it's actual history. History is his story. You see, in Western thought and Christianity, Jewish thinking, history is not cyclical like it is in Eastern thought, where it's an endless cycle of meaninglessness repeated over and over. That's Eastern thought about the world. History within Christian thought and Jewish thought, which has influenced Western civilization, history is heading somewhere. The future is on a collision course with the resurrected Messiah. Write this down. You will personally meet Jesus Christ in the future, either as your justifier or your judge. You may be at a point where if you are not a Christian, you may be very interested in becoming a Christian. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10 verse 13 says, For whosoever 
shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want you to know that today, right now, right where you are, you can repent of your sin. You can ask for the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he purchased for you on the cross when he became your sin and was killed by the Father as a as the the sacrifice for your sin, and he rose again on the third day, that proves that his sacrifice was accepted by the Father, and you can be forgiven. You can be born again. You should do that. You should cry out to the Lord today, repenting of sin and trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then, you will know for certain how your eternity will turn out. Instead of following Satan and being condemned to an eternal hell, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcomed into heaven and eternity with him. You may want to discuss this with someone. This is such an important decision, the most important decision of your entire eternity. You can call this number, 877-247-2426, 877-247-2426. And when you do, you will speak with someone who can answer questions you may have or lead you to personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Call that number and get the help that you need. Some of you may wish to visit chataboutjesus.com, chataboutjesus.com. Whatever you do, make sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. And if you're already a Christian, rejoice in the fact that we serve a risen Savior and he is our returning Savior as well. Thank you so much for listening today. We will be back next week with a new episode of This Week in the Word. We're listed on Apple Podcasts. I think we're on Google, hopefully, uh, Alexa, and many other places. But you can always find us by having the Podbean app downloaded. You can find us that way. Or you can simply search for dredhill.podbean.com, and you'll go right to the podcast and you can listen free anywhere, anytime, anyplace on the earth. I want you to tell other people about this podcast this week in the Word because they will be interested in verse-by-verse study of the Word of God. Thanks for listening. Please like this episode and follow the podcast if you like what you hear. Thanks so much. We'll see you in the next episode if Jesus doesn't come first. Bye-bye.